Hello and welcome to a time of edification with Caruso Ministry. Get ready to be edified and equipped to edify others. Ready? Let's begin. Bible tells you in Ephesians 1 verse 18, it says, You also that you believed the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Alright, it says, In whom also that you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest. All right, of your inheritance or the redemption of the purchase possession. Are we together, guys? So when a man receives salvation, he receives the Holy Ghost. The man receives eternal life. John chapter 3 and verse 16. All right, everlasting life. John chapter 5 and verse 24. Are we together, guys? All right. Now, there is something very important that also happens to a man when a man gets saved. Something important that we have to pay attention to. And oftentimes, we really don't pay attention to it is this. When a man receives salvation, there is what we can call a change of perspective. Are we together, guys? There's a change of perspective. All right, there is a change in the way the man sees the world. There's a way the man sees, there's a change in the way the man sees life. And this is a very good place to start from. Because you see, what you read from in 1 Corinthians 1 from 18 to 29 is a concept of the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of God. Listen to me, men and women of God. There is a wisdom of God. There's a wisdom of God. Because just think about it. Is it not interesting that you know God, God has a sense of humor? Is it not interesting that God's way? So rescue a man from eternal damnation is to do what? Is to give him a message to believe. And you see, this right there, the simplicity of the message is the reason people don't receive it. And let me tell you something. If the message was a lot tougher, if, if there was something that people had to do, if there was a sweat that people had to break, we'll probably have more men saved than there are today. Are you with me? But for the fact that you tell, you just understand, to the Jew, the cross is a symbol of damnation. Do you understand me? The kind of people they hang on the cross are the worst of the worst of sinners. You don't just hang anybody on the cross. Do you understand me? There are levels of punishment. Just so, for example, you know, in Nigeria now, we talk about people like Anini. You know, there are men that, <laughs> their name echoes. Do you understand me? They have a legacy. Do you understand me? Those are the kind of people that you put. So, now, for, just like, for example, when we punish in Nigeria, it's not every man that, for example, you are going to sentence to death. Are we together? And even though that, I don't think, I think today it has been banned. In those days of firing squad, you don't use firing squad on just any, on just any robber. So there are people who steal, and there are those who need the firing squad because they, they are advanced. Are you with me, guys? Now, so among the Jews in those days, you need to understand, when we talk about punishment for sinners, hanging on the cross is the highest of the highest. You don't go higher than that. <laughs> you don't see more than that. Are we together, guys? So you need to understand that when you then tell the Jew, who has been awaiting the Messiah, who in fact believes that the idea of a Messiah, in fact, the word Messiah literally means to save. It means a savior. Now, when you tell somebody that a Messiah is coming, people who, by the way, are being colonized by the Romans, there is a mindset they have to what you are saying. Are you with me? They believe that this savior you are talking about is someone that is going to rescue us, all right, from the Roman soldiers. They believe, ah, finally, we are free. And so, when you tell them that the means by which this man who is supposed to be your savior, by the way, will rescue you, is that he dies on the cross. That's why scripture says it's foolishness. It is. It's foolishness. Are we together? And he saved you to the Gentiles. If you are going to talk about a man whose dominion is going to be over the whole world, you need to talk about a man who probably is wise. Because you need to know, the Bible tells us the Greeks seek after wisdom. You need to understand in those days, at least in those days, the Greeks, or, or, or at least Greece, the nation of Greece, was like the seat of wisdom. Seat of philosophy, and then you would hear you know funny guys show up on the scene, people like Socrates, for example. And you know, those people are just compound unnecessary theory to be or not to be. I think, therefore, I am. That's your problem. <laughs> I know I am because I'm like, nobody. I think, therefore, I am. And I am because I am, <laughs> you know. And you know, so the so, so the Greeks they would expect that a man who dominates the world will be a man who is wise. Do you understand me? He will be a man who can speak, though he can he, he knows physics. He knows chemistry. He knows how the world works. He understands gravitational pull. Do you understand me? So on and so forth. But now, you come on the scene, and then you tell people who, by the way, have been trying all their life to figure out what is on the other side of this life. And then you tell them the way out is to believe that a man died. You, you, you know, sometimes, because we are Christians, we don't understand how stupid the message we have is. Are we together? You know, you've been a Christian all your life. So it just makes sense to you. And Jesus died. Say, how do you get it? Jesus died. He was buried. He was buried on the third day. Because of that, I have the Holy Ghost. Oh, Koti. Oh, see, Rokini, Dada. When you, when you go out on evangelism and you talk to people who can think, and they tell you, you two, calm down. Hear yourself. It's, it's a foolish message. Are you with me? And so what that lets you know is this. 
Aside the miracle of, aside of course the miracle of receiving the Holy Ghost, eternal life, and so on and so forth, one of the things that salvation does to a man is that it alters his mind. It alters his perception. And it's one of the things I thought, you know, last month in Ilefe. I thought that, you see, the very basis of your entry into salvation is supernatural. You believe in supernatural message. You believe that a man can die and be raised the third day. By the way, without the involvement of another man. You know, that's the way between him and any other person that was just from the dead. Other men, they put them into the grave. For example, a dead man touched the bones of Elisha. He came back to life. Jesus walked to Lazarus's grave, says, Lazarus, come forth. You know, as far Lazarus's son is now comfortable. That's the point. You know, <laughs> you know, and then he tells him to come forth. And then this man, Lazarus, comes out. Are we together? But this man, Jesus, guess what? In fact, everybody around him is in non-belief. So there's no single man that even tells him to come out. So now you have a man who dies three days after by the agency of no man. You don't understand how foolish your message is. So now, when you understand this, you understand your very entry into salvation was for you to believe something abnormal. And that is the reason a believer must therefore abominate a normal life. It doesn't, just my point. If at the end of the day, the entry to salvation was a supernatural message, a message that makes no sense, then it becomes an abomination for your life to make sense. You must therefore claim a supernatural that since the way I even started was already supernatural. I might as well, I might as well live in the supernatural. That's how you must be. I went together. But then let me continue my notes so I don't just you know deviate so far. All right. So as I said, salvation confers upon you a change of perspective. There is a change in the way you see the world. Now you understand that at the end of the day, God's means to save men from sin or to save them from eternal damnation is not by how much money they have. And see, let me tell you something for me. If that was how salvation was made available by money, you probably have more people saved. You know why? Because then we we'll feel like ah, there's some sort of barrier. Like it makes sense that rich people will have eternal life. Do you understand my point? So now, if you are broke on my hustle, do you get Because like there is something to aspire towards. But how do you say a man is saved from eternal damnation by another man by believing that another man who you have never met before died for you? Hey, Tom, Joseph, he's, he's a Jew, you're a Gentile. You know, there are believers who like to call themselves Jews. Mm. No, <laughs> no, sir. You a gentile? <laughs> that where you are. You know, we can we can form Jews. You know, can say in Christ Jesus there is no Jew no gentile, no slave no free. I agree, but sir, if we should say by nationality, sir, you know, yeah. even though my name is Israel, I'm not from Israel. Yeah. <laughs> no, that one is good. I mean, it's good. I know. I know. You know, that's true. So you get are we together? But like I said, salvation changes your perspective. It alters your mindset. It alters the way you see the world. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, from verse 3 to verse 4. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4, from verse 3 to 4. He's saying about God to be healed. It is healed to them that are lost. He says, whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine on them. So can you see that? He says, the God of this world has blinded. Now, just to give you context about this verse, the initial problem is not the God of this world. The initial problem is them. He says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. So, because this person can almost make it look like as though those who don't believe, this, this is, a, um, is another verse that folks who believe, for example, in universalism try to hold on to, that, you know, at the end of the day, God has deaths of people to salvation, and um, God, that's Calvinism, sorry, God has deaths of people to salvation, he has deaths of other people to damnation. So, they will try to say, I mean, look at it, for example, the God of this world has blinded their eyes. So, at the end of the day, it wasn't their fault that they don't believe. So it's the God of this world that blinded their eyes. But that's not what he's saying. He says the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. So first of all was, they believe not. Then the God of this world taking occasion of their own belief has now caused that to become worse. And that is really what we talk about. When we talk about the hardening of a man's mind. Are we together? This is really, for example, if you preach the gospel to a man today and he refuses it. By the time you preach to him tomorrow, a lot of times it's much harder the next day compared to the first day. Are we together? Because they've continued. Just the way you can become schooled in righteousness. You can become schooled in unbelief. You can become worse. You can become reprobate. Do you understand me? Where your heart is being added more and more to the message. Such that the same the things you heard before, I could kick something in you. Now you hear it, it doesn't move you anymore. Do you understand what I'm trying to say, guys? All right. But what I'm trying to let you see also is that, see, there is a blinding of people's minds. So salvation comes with a change of perspective. It comes with a change of your mindsets, a change of your ideologies, a change of your desires. A change of how you see the world. How you see how the world can be. The fact that you now understand that a man can be living, walking around, looking like he's doing good, dressed nice, have a nice car, have all the money in the world, but he's still doomed for eternity. Are we together? The Bible tells you about that in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, you are thinking who were dead in trespasses and sins. He says, you were dead. 
In our own understanding of life and death, death comes after life. But it tells you that when it comes to salvation, a man first is dead before he becomes alive. I wish you get that, guys. So you could have been walking, dressing nice, looking good. Paul is trying to tell you all the time when I was persecuting Christians, guess what? I was dead. But, sir, you were alive. You're walking up and down. In fact, you were so alive, sir, you killed Stephen. He killed Stephen by me, sir. But he tells you, I was dead. I was. So now that's a change of perspective. Somebody's a perspective. That's a change of perspective. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to God. And so, this also informs when you see unbelievers live the way they do. It also makes you understand why they do the things they do. It's because of the mindset that they also have. Just as salvation comes with its own perspective, unbelief has a perspective. Look at Ephesians 4, 17 to 19. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified Classic. And I promise you, I have a place I'm driving to with this. I promise you. Just, just stay with me. Ephesians 4, 17 to 19, the Amplified Classic. It says, so this I say and solemnly testify in the name of the Lord, as in his presence. It says that you must no longer live as the heathen or the Gentiles do in their perverseness. That's the folly, the vanity, and the emptiness of their souls and the, the futility of their minds. He says their moral understanding is darkened. Their reasoning is beclouded. <laughs> he says they are alienated from, they are alienated and strange, self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of the ignorance, the want of knowledge and perception, the willful blindness that is deep-seated in them due to their hardness of heart to the insensitive into the insensitiveness of their moral nature. Ah, ah, oh, oh. <laughs> Are we together, guys? Oh, oh. But now, what I'm trying to drive at is this. Now, pay attention to something. It tells you that there is a futility in the in the heart of the in the heart of the man that doesn't believe the gospel. Are we together? There is a vanity in their mind. Now, here is the irony of it, however, and I've explained this to my guys before. Are there unbelievers who are smart? Yes. In fact, are there unbelievers who, through their inventions, have changed the world? In fact, more. <laughs> are there unbelievers who have who are billionaires? Yes, there are. So. I need you to understand the perspective of when we say that there is a vanity of their mind. The vanity of their mind is not that their minds are incapable of reasoning amazing or awesome things. Are we together? It's not that they are incapable of causing a revolution with their minds. No. It is that their minds are incapable, alright, of conceiving spiritual things. Do you understand me? And so as a reason of that, they now begin to conduct themselves a certain way. Are you with me, guys? And so that is the reason, for example, that when you get a man saved, for instance, you don't just expect the man to begin to live a certain way. There is now something called the renewal of his mind. Because in the first place, the reason he has been living the way he has been living is because his mind is affected. It's a perspective issue. Are you with me? Do you understand me? And so when you understand this, you understand why at the end of the day, there is such a thing as the wisdom of God, which you see in salvation, as I've explained before, and now the wisdom of men. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? And so salvation now becomes a conversation of the wisdom of two places the wisdom of god and the wisdom of this world does that make sense guys are we together guys and so for the believer in christ jesus your emphasis therefore must be on the wisdom of god does that make sense are we together guys say the wisdom of god the wisdom of god hallelujah look at romans 1 from verse 18 to 23 so let's just look a bit little on the wisdom of god and i'm going to rush now because we don't have so much time romans 1 from verse 18 to 23 Romans 1 from verse 18 to 23. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. He says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. So, in other words, what he's trying to tell you here is that, see, that which can be known of God is made manifest in the world. And let's just read down the little one before I explain that. Look at verse 20. He says, For the invisible things of him, that is of God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen clearly see so he's trying to tell you listen to me sir and this is one of the arguments for folks you know who say there is no god and stuff like that you need to understand just from the way the world is arranged you can come to a conclusion that there is a god are we together you see something like that in Acts 17 when paul was speaking you know to the gentiles in Acts 17 athens in greece are we together and bible says he, they were they were they were full of idolatry and by the time he was speaking to them he says that there was an inscription to the unknown god and notice what paul says there he says whom you ignorantly worship declare i unto you paul didn't say the god who you don't know paul says you are worshiping him in ignorance so meaning that by their estimation of the world by them observing the way the world works by the understanding of science and philosophy are we together they have stumbled upon the true god 
But they were worshipping him in ignorance. Does that make sense, guys? I wish you could So this is all Romans 1 is telling you here. That even though you might not have somebody to come and preach to you, listen, you are without excuse. Because in the invisible things of this world, the things about God that clearly see, he calls it clearly see. Does that make sense, guys? In other words, when we talk about the wisdom of God, it means this. While, of course, the primary way we can understand the wisdom of God is in salvation, there are things about God that we can clearly see from the way the world works. That when you sit down to observe and you see the way God has, has made creation to be, has made the world to work, you can come to understand the wisdom of God in certain things. Are we together, guys? Does that make sense, guys? And so, look at Genesis 8, from verse 21 to 22. Genesis 8, from verse 21 to 22. Genesis 8, 21 to 22, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. Mantra, Galistik, Levani, Mushta. Genesis 8, 21-22. Now, pay attention. He says, And the Lord smelled a sweet savour. And this, this was after you know, the flood with Noah. He says, The Lord smelled a sweet savour. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore everything living as I have done. While the earth remaineth. Pay attention. He says, Seed time and harvest. Cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Hallelujah. So, in the wisdom of God, he tells you, seed time and harvest will not cease. Glory to Jesus. Seed time and harvest will not cease. Meaning that in God's wisdom, there is a time when, time when, doesn't matter how fine your seed is, if you plant it, doesn't matter if you get everything right, if you plant it and it's not yet time, it won't germinate. If you plant during the time of harvest, you won't get the fruit. Not because the soil, not because there's a problem with the soil, or because you use the wrong seed, or because you don't have good infrastructure. But sir, it's not the time. And that's why there are certain fruits, no matter how much you like them, they will not grow in this part of the world. There are places, are, are you with me? So in God's wisdom, he has ordained times and seasons to ensure there are times when certain things happen, and there are times when they will not happen. Are you with me? Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes 3 from verse 1 to 11. You know, Ecclesiastes is, also, is, one of those very, is one of those books that you, you are not even sure you are pronouncing it well. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 from verse 1 to 11. He says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. He says, A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to lend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and times of peace. He says, what profit has he that walketh in that wherein he laboreth, in that wherein he laboreth, he says, I have seen the travail which God has given to the sons of men to be excited in it. He that has made everything beautiful in his time also has set the world in their hearts, that so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Are we together, guys? And so, two things that you see from the verses above number one, not everything exists in the same season, there is a time for specific seasons and specific purposes. Are we together? This is time. And you see, this is something I, I know that you are hardworking. I know that you are the kind of person that likes to give your hundred every day. You do your best, you work hard, and so on and so forth. But you see, you need to understand in life there are times and seasons. And listen to me definition of hard work will not be that you plant both in the time of harvest and the time of seed sowing. Hard work will be that you recognize when you are supposed to plant and you plant accordingly. Because at the end of the day, the difference between two men, one who gets a harvest and one who doesn't, might not even be the number of seeds they plant. Neither might it be the amount of resources they have. It might just simply be that the man who had a harvest recognized when it was seed time. Are you with me, guys? It might even be that the man who did not understand the season planted more, planted more seeds, had more resources, had everything more. Are we together? But just miss the season. And guess what? It's not going to yield as much results. If, in fact, it might not yield any results. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? And then number two, in God's wisdom, specific seasons have to come before specific seasons. This one is even more important. In God's wisdom, specific seasons have to come before specific seasons. And some seasons have a period that cannot be shortened. Are we together? 
They have a period that cannot. For example, listen to me. If you don't plant in your season or in the seed time, you won't get an harvest. Are we together? If you know, it's just that simple. And now here's the funny thing. Will harvest, will the season of harvest come? Yes, it will. Will you get fruit? No, you won't. Not because harvest is not here, but because you did not do something with the season that came before. Are you with me, guys? Do you understand me? So what that means is this, is that alongside seasons are, are things that men have to do. Are you with me? And listen, also just as you have seen, seasons, there's a timeline. There's a timeline. In fact, even permit me to use this example. Even for example, there's something called the biological clock with women. In God's wisdom, for some reason, God did not allow women's bodies to run on autopilot. There is an age under normal circumstances where you can't have children. Do you understand my point? There, for example, it's an anomaly for a one-year-old girl to be pregnant, even though there should be no reason for us to find out. Do you understand my point? All things being equal. But there is a period in their lives when there is nothing reproductively, they are not active. Are you with me? And in God's wisdom, there's also another age where it stops. Where after that, it takes miraculous intervention for a woman to have a child. Do, are you with me, guys? Do you understand me? That's it. But now, here's the thing. If during the age or during the time when she's, she should be active, reproductive-wise, right, for whatever reason, she doesn't have a husband or she doesn't engage in sexual activities, etc., etc., she's not going to have a child. Not because, in fact, she's infertile. She might be as fertile as, as can be. But guess what? She won't have one. Not because... The season is not there, but because she did not recognize it, or better still, she did not put it to use. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? And so what I'm trying to let you understand is this. In God's wisdom, life is a season. Ah, and you see, there are few things that we need to hammer on than this today, in this generation. For a generation that is so heavy on making progress at all costs, wanting to blow immediately, listen to me, there are seasons. Are you with me? And in God's wisdom, some seasons cannot be shortened. Ah, man of God, let me say, hey God, it does not matter the grace of God upon your life. Listen, it doesn't matter that you are the forerunner of Jesus. There will be a time when you'll be hidden in the wilderness until you appear to Israel. It is, it has been written, sir. It's not you need to understand, it's not by the call of God upon your life. Are you with me? Imagine that you know you and this other person went to ministry school. Are you together? Both of you were the Jolosis, uh, maybe school of disciples. Um, um, the school of disciples of Israel, that kind of thing. All right, sir. Let everybody be prophesied. Let everybody be seeing vision. Ah, the kind of grace this man has upon his life. This grace that will turn. And of the truth, he did have the grace to turn around the world. Are we together? He's the forerunner of Jesus. Such grace, such oil, such anointing. But let me tell you something. Until it is the time for his appearing, corporate Latin dollar, his voice will not be heard. Are you with me? Not because he doesn't know sermons. I can promise you, the sermons that John the Baptist taught, he didn't just learn it. Yes, he would have learned it in the time in the time when he was in the wilderness. So it wasn't at that point when the knowledge all of a sudden came upon him. But no, sir, it wasn't his time of his appearing yet. Yes, sir. Are you with me? Do you understand me? And so, one of the best things you can have in your life, one of the best revelations you can ever have, is to recognize your season. Is to recognize that the reason it seems as though I'm doing a lot, but I'm not, I'm not seeming to stand in front of a lot of persons, is because it's not your time. Yes, sir. Are you with me? It's because it's not your time. And you see, one of the most dangerous things as well is this, is to be in a season where the future of the next season depends on what you do in this season. But you can't recognize it. So now, all of the seeds you are supposed to be planting, you're not planting anything. You are so obsessed with the season in front of you. Sorry, with the season you want to be in, which, by the way, is the next season. But you're not doing anything to, to you know, to prepare yourself for this. So now, Harvest shows up. You have no harvest. Why? You planted no seed. Not because the season is not here now. Okay, the season you always wanted is here. What's the difference? Are you with me, men and women of God? And so, in the wisdom of God, you need to recognize He makes everything beautiful in His time. Sir, in every man's life, there are times and seasons. Every man's life, there are times and seasons. And listen to me. Doesn't matter. I need to emphasize that again and again. Because sometimes we think that. And this is something, you know, I, I myself have learned by experience. We think that the, the grace upon our lives, or better still, the, the blessings of God and the gifts of God upon our life will excuse us from certain su supernatural or spiritual laws. No, it doesn't, sir. Are we together? It doesn't. Doesn't matter that you are destined to save the world, all right? Doesn't, even if, as at 12, you are asking questions that doctors of the law cannot understand, your ministry is not supposed to start until you are about 30 years of age. It won't start. Are you with me? Yes, sir. Do you understand me? Does it, and this is Jesus. This is Jesus. You need to understand. Has such a mighty. This is Jesus. 
has such a mighty call upon his life. Are we together, guys? Somebody say times and seasons. Times and seasons. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So, now, I think, let's just see this. Why wait? Obey us to why? Why the season of waiting? Why? Why? Why the season of waiting? Is it not interesting also that in God's wisdom, the first pronunciation of salvation, the first proclamation of the plan of salvation was in Genesis 3 and verse 15. Genesis 3 and verse 15. That's the will of God. I'll put enmity between thy seed and the seed of the woman. Alright? And then it says, you know, thy, um, the, the seed of the serpent will bruise his heel. Sorry, sorry, it says the serpent will bruise his heel and then thy seed will bruise his head. Are we together, guys? And that is what, you know, um, scholars will call the protivangelion in Latin. It means the first proclamation of the gospel. But somehow in God's wisdom, he makes a proclamation of the plan of salvation in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. But guess what? The plan doesn't come to pass 4,000 years after. Mm. 4,000. And you want, to, you want to imagine, this is the greatest thing God has ever planned in mankind. This is the biggest thing ever. There is no miracle that will ever happen in the world that comes close to the miracle of salvation. Yet, in God's wisdom, it takes 4,000 years from his proclamation to when it comes to pass. 4,000 years. And so, you want to then understand why. Why, why does it seem as though there is this season of waiting? Why? Number one, waiting leads us of excitement. Number one, it reads us of excitement. It reads us of excitement. You see, let me say something. You see, sometimes we can get so mesmerized about the spectacular nature of what God has shown us. You know what I mean? So God has said, for example, you know, you minister to the nations. You've seen visions. You've seen things. Ah, your mind is sweet. Now, <laughs> the only thing you are seeing, because usually that's how visions work, the only thing you are seeing is the stage. You can see yourself, 10,000 people, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. You know, and then, you know, sometimes our friends don't make it any easier when they are giving you those words. I see men, I see nations. They are coming in their twos, in their eights, in their ten. And you don't blame them. They saw it. That's what they saw. You quickly forget, however, that listen, for such things, there is a kind of labor that not only causes for that sustains it. Yeah. Are you with me? And so a lot of times, when you are so mesmerized about how spectacular what God is showing you is, oftentimes it shows you are not even ready. You are not ready. Ah, sir, <laughs> let me tell you, one of the ways you begin to know that that which God is showing you, you really understand it, is that sometimes you say, sir, hold it first. <laughs> Do you get my point? Keep on. It can be easy to say, for this reason am I sent to the world. The Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of the into the hands of Pharisees and so on and so forth. But sir, when you enter Matthew 26, you go enter Gethsemane, say, if it be possible, Lord, let us go pass over me. Are you with me? Some things are sweet when you are saying it from afar. Are you with me? When you begin to get close, ah, agreed, sir. I can see what is after this label, but sir, it will be possible. If, if you know, if you won't mind, just let this cup, let it pass over. So sometimes, the reason you are obsessed with that season of your life, the reason you want to see all of those things come to pass, is that you don't yet understand the weight of the assignments. Because yeah, if you do, you calm down. <laughs> you say, Master, they wait. Master, they wait. That's the way So, like Moses, there is this passion upon your heart. You, all your life, you grew up in the house of Pharaoh. You are eating good. You did just salad steady. That's my point. Money is not your problem. But for some reason, these children of Israel, who, by the way, you did not grow up with, you just have, there's just something in your heart for them. You can't take the way the children of Pharaoh, or better say the Egyptians, are making them suffer. And so, in your zeal, as a young man, one day, you decide, I'm the savior of these people. Now, that is God's destiny for you, quite frankly. At the end of the day, you will still rescue these guys. No argument. Do you understand me? If at this passion you have, we can say it's God-inspired of the truth. But guess what? If in your, naive, your naivety you think you are going to start it, the way you are going to do it is that you cause a revolution. Do you You cause a revolution in Egypt and everywhere is scattered and people now know power to the people. Sir, you will kill Egyptian, you go turn exile. Are you with me? And that's what happened. In his wisdom, he tried to do that which God actually had ordained for him. It was his destiny all the while. You will save the Israelites from Egypt. But he, he wanted, you know, no, do, no, run this thing, shah, shah. And that's the thing. When you try to do what is not yours, you are terrible. You will suffer. And so at the end of the day, he tried it in his own power. What happened? He killed an Egyptian. He had to run away. Are you with me? Now, a very quick question. Well, I will still get there. Okay, let me get there now. Number two. Because of time. Waiting builds death. Waiting builds death. 
place where he must be comfortable with seasons where it seems as though nothing is happening. He builds death. Now, quick question. What is the difference between the Moses in Egypt and the Moses in Midian? 40 years of tending sheep. Ah, in 40 years, he now understood what it was to be a leader. <laughs> oh God. Imagine that the Moses that killed, the, that killed an Egyptian was the Moses that rescued Israel. Sir, by the, the first day, they crossed Red Sea. All of them have died. <laughs> Are you kidding? The same Moses that even after all the years of patience and skill he had led, he hit the rock. Sir, he would have killed them <laughs> that you can stretch your rod. Water will open. And then, in fact, as you just, as you just even pass to the other side, you just look there. You know, because knowing the way the Jews of Israel were, some of them would have been complaining as you're passing through water. They would have been saying, okay, now, if God can open water for us to walk through, why can't you just make us levitate? And just, wait, this your God says. And then most of you just look back. Say, no, Allah. <laughs> just, just, just close. You know? <laughs> Let's just go on. Come together. So now, 40 years, nobody hears his name. He is now learning what true leadership is about. He understands now about how to tend for sheep. In this sheep, he understands what it's like for some, for some sheep to decide to go astray. That's why I tell you of them, go this way. This sheep just decides I'm going this way. He knows what it's like to really leave the 99 for the one. He has learned it. So now, when you see a Moses that seems to have such intelligence and wisdom, that he understands how to work with the children of Israel, they seem to frustrate him. He has a patience and a calmness for them and so on and so forth. Sir, something has been built in his time of waiting. Are you with me? Do you understand me? Something has been built. So, waiting builds death. Hallelujah. Waiting builds death. That's it. Ever wondered, okay, God, Saul is no longer king. You don't talk him. You said it already. Saul is no more king. Why exactly? Now, you've anointed David. We know that David is the next king. There's oil on his head. Why not from day one? You are God. You can do anything. Just make sure as they pour oil for David. So just be dying. You know, and you know, those are the kind of things we like, those dramatic effects that as oil just touches David. Bam! Immediately, so just die. Bam. You see, in fact, what more announcements do you want as the chosen of God than that? Are you with me? You know, we like those kind of things. So now we cannot understand why a man who is chosen of God, who has oil on his head, is being chased around by a man who we all know collectively God is no longer with. Why does it seem like as though the, it is as though it's even the one who has God with him that seems like he doesn't have any God with him? Are you with me, guys? But it's simple. Now, you look at David years after, you talk about David's mighty men of valor. You quickly forget those mighty men of valor were men that Moses came up, I'm sorry, that David came about in the time when he was being chased. They were the ordinary men, farmers along the way. So, as they, as, as, sorry, as David was, be, was being chased, he would find men together with him along the road, men who were farmers who would sometimes, for example, like in the case of Nabal, would protect some people's sheep so that they could have money to eat. That was where it came about those men. Now, those are the men who at the end of the day became mighty men and helped them fight nations. Are we together? So now, we, in our earthly wisdom, feel this man is wasting time. We don't know death is being built in this man. Are you with me? And so years after, you see David and his mighty men. You quickly forget, those mighty men were fought when we did not see. Are you with me? Are you with me? So, one of the greatest blessings of your life can be to understand your period of waiting and to maximize it wholly. So recognize this is my time of planting and I'm going to stay here. When you understand it, in fact, sometimes when God shows you from afar that it's time for your announcement, you say, Give me small time. Let me prepare a bit more. Let me let's your obsession with wanting to be on the stage is because you don't understand. And that is the reason at the end of the day. Just as I said, there are seasons. And so when your season shows up, sir, you will get to the stage and you will have a message. And so we'll be wondering all the years where we do not hear your voice. All the years you told us you've been in ministry for eight years, ten years. Okay, now we don't they, you they fly, you are flying everywhere. Where is the substance? That's him. So why were you so keen on being on Instagram? Why were you so, were you so vague that we're not posting your videos? If after all the years we don't post your video now, we cannot even not one single except can bless us. No substance, sir. You wasted your time of planting. Are you with me? So now you now understand there is more to do with your period of waiting than obsession. There is more to do with your period of waiting than being crazy about what God, what you've seen that God has shown you that He's going to do. Are you with me? Maximize this period. 
maximize it. And this is the reason you can't seem to understand. I, 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 you can't seem to. These are the Jews. Now, you don't even get it. For 4,000 years, and this is, this is also the wisdom of God, that in your season of waiting, not only will he make you wait, he will bring avenues, because it is his wisdom, he will bring avenues for you to gain death. Are you with me? So, in your season of waiting, David, you'll be chased about by Saul, you'll be fighting battles, because that is your destiny as king. And that is where you are building strength. Are you with me? That's it. Just like um, Moses as well, you are guiding sheep. And so, just like the children of Israel for 4,000 years, not only is God holding the promise from happening, he's giving you prophecies by prophecies so that when the Messiah comes, you will know he's the one. But guess what? They were so upset with where the Messiah will come from, he shows up in front of them, they did not pay attention to prophecy. Jesus now says, search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life. They are they that testify of me. But you will not come unto me that you might have life. Are you with me? So after all your shouts, where will the Savior come? Where will the Messiah come? He shows up right in the scene in front of you. All of the details. Sir, I mean, the prophecies were so correct, they were so spot on, down to where he will be born. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 tells you this man will be born in Bethlehem of Judea. He will be of the lineage of Judah. What more do you want to see? And guess what? After 4,000 years of prophetic words, call me. 4,000! More, some even not recorded that we don't know about. Are we together? A whole lot more. Are we together? And yet, he stands in front of you and you don't know. Now you understand when Jesus says, All fools are slow about to believe what that the prophets have spoken. You need to, you now you can, ah, no, Tolu Tosa, they were foolish. And don't be an of the truth, sir, they were foolish. Of the truth. Those are examples of people who have wasted their time of waiting. The time of planting has been wasted. So now, now is the time of salvation. Salvation is come. Gentiles are receiving it. You who are Jews have the entirety of the scriptures. Jesus says, I come in the volume of the books. You who have the books, nothing. Nothing. So have you now seen that? Is this your obsession? Lord, I want to see the nations. You never let me. Are you together? <laughs> ah. <laughs> you never let me. You, you are discipling three people. You don't even have a prayer life. Now you want... They preach to nations. Nations come. <laughs> Streets me. Are <laughs> we together, guys? So, there is, a, there is a pruning that God does to you where all the excitement is gone. Are you with me? Yes, all the da da da. What's the law? You are, and that's the reason, you know, some, some men will call it literally. I, I saw an excerpt by, you know, Pastor Berlin yesterday. He said, You will have to die to your flesh. Are you with me? Like, it's no longer about you. All of the excitement, self-gratification that you feel, all of the in ah by that time I could just enter, you know, I go enter Lexus, get like 10 protocol. All of those things are it is not the work that you are saying. Now, will all of those other things be there? Yes, they will, but they won't matter. Do you understand? Because the excitement that comes with immaturity has gone. That's it. And that's why, you know, I made a post yesterday. I said, listen, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. But I said, listen, at the end of the day. Excitement doesn't equate, equate zeal. This is your, you know, sometimes we are, too, we are too quick to see people and we can't discern immaturity from zeal. And that's the reason why a lot of times you give them responsibility and they fall. That's the, it lets you know at the end of the day. Say you they talk, no me say you go do it. You not talk rich Peter. Sir, even if every man leaves you, I do your times. And now the same Peter, again, again says, I know your face. I've seen you with this man. Peter said, mm. To God. To God. I don't know this man. <laughs> ah, to God. I don't know this man. But now, when it was Peter's time, this is barely 50 days after, Peter stands up in Jerusalem. The same man who, less than 50 days ago, is saying to God who made me, I don't know this man. He stands in Jerusalem, preaches a sermon to, by the way, I can tell you, if 3,000 people were saved, it wasn't 3,000 people that were there. Are you with me? There would have been more than 3,000. And it says 3,000 men. There would have been women and children that were not counted. Are you with me, guys? So let's just say about 5,000 people all together were saved that day. Are you with me? He would have probably preached about 7,000, 10,000 people. This same man that was, that was cursing before a year now stands before about 10,000 people and he now preaches the gospel off his head. So much so that about 5,000 people all together, 3,000 men are saved. Are you with me? Do you understand me? So when you recognize this, you know, sir, my waiting is a blessing. It's a blessing. And so as I round up now, taking a long, taking a long more time than I planned. 
What do you do to it? Now, actually, as I was playing these notes over the weekend, I love actually this in my heart that I'm going to do a part two of this teaching. Most likely December, all right, but for now, there are a couple of things. How do you, um, how do you wait? So number one, you build conviction by prophecy and God's word. Number two, you prepare. I'm not going to run through this because this is not my focus. You build conviction by, um, by prophecy and God's word. Number two, you prepare. Number three, you train character. Number four, you develop consecration. Number five, prayer. So once again, number one, you build conviction by prophecy and God's word. Number two, you prepare. Number three, you train character. Number four, you develop consecration. And number five, prayer. And prayer is what I want to focus on. Let me say this very importantly. And this was how the Lord laid it in my hands. Prayer is not what you do when you wait. Prayer is how you wait. There is no waiting without prayer. Are you with me? What does scripture say? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So the, it is not I'm waiting, no. Because of I'm waiting, I'm now praying. No, it is that I'm waiting, so I have to pray. Do you understand? The wait, your waiting is not waiting if you're not praying. Do you understand me? The waiting is prayer. That's it. And look at look at Luke chapter 2 from 36 to 38. Luke 2, 36. It is God's wisdom. Luke 2, 36 to 38. It says, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Aser, who was of a great age, and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow, about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks, likewise unto the Lord, and, and spoke to him of, sorry, and spoke of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. I wish together, guys. So now, it's God's wisdom. Now, salvation will not happen until when God ordains it. I wish together. Now, in God's wisdom, it is even God who sends an angel to appear to Mary. So we know this time when Jesus is born, it is in God's calendar. It was God that are we together, guys? But even though it is God who decided it, He still has uh, He still has um, um, orchestrated that there is a woman somewhere who will be praying for years until when this child is dedicated in the temple. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? So even though now, pay attention, the season will come, regardless of your waiting. Are we together? It is not your waiting that will make the season come. The waiting will only make you recognize when the season is here. Does that make sense, guys? The waiting will only make you recognize when the season is here. So the season will come irrespective of your waiting. If Anna wasn't praying, Jesus will still have come. Are we together? But guess what? She won't have known when he entered the temple. A prayer made us sensitive. Ah, now is the time. Ah. Let me just say this one now. You might not agree to this. It might be a bit controversial. God had told Elijah, go and meet Ahab. Are we together? It will rain in Israel. Elijah goes to pray. Now, we can argue, God has spoken it. It's going to come to pass. It was God who met Ahab and told him to go and pray. I have an argument, which is that while, of course, Elijah's prayer was necessary, was useful, I have an argument that it wasn't solely because of his prayer. God was the one who told him, go and tell him. So quite frankly, regardless of his prayer, we can argue. We can argue. There would have still been rain in Israel. He might just have been through another man. Are you with me? So at the end of the day, the season will come. Your waiting will only make you a part of God's plan. Yes, then, whether or not you are the one, there will still be a move. Yes, ah, hey, man of God. Yes, this one should scare us. Yes, <laughs> Sorry. Whether or not you are part of it, there will be a move. There will be a steering. Nicodemus, whether you recognize it or not, this is the man for the world. If you like, because of the applause of the, of the Jews, don't go, and, don't go and join him and become his disciple. When, at the end of the, now you go see so far. Do you understand? That's it. That's it. You can't kick against the pricks. You can't. You can't. Look at Luke 4 from verse 1 to verse 2. Luke 4 from verse 1 to verse 2. It says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being, um, sorry, being 40 days tempted of the devil and in those days did nothing. So this shows us that he went into, he went into um, the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Now look at Luke 4 from verse 14 to 18. He says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues. And I don't want to read through that because of time. All right, are we together? So, you see Jesus, and I said that already. You see Jesus come down the fullness of the Spirit. That's why it will seem as though, pay attention. It's going to seem as though there are certain men, you just see them all of a sudden, and you're almost asking, where did this one come from? 
So you know what I'm talking about? Like, where have they been? Then, now wait, then, you now go and look at them and find out, ah, only track record. Yeah. Are you with me? Ah, we might not have known them, but these people have been around though. So, sir, of the truth, there is a time of being in the wilderness until you are appearing unto Israel. By that time, Ali Koshesho, Joseph, you see, look at, everybody will say, ah, where is this guy? You know, that's what everybody always say, where has this guy been? Sir, he has been around. <laughs> he has been around. He just didn't know him. He just was not his time. Just was not his season. And let me, and sometimes, if we are being honest with ourselves, eh, we can even argue, it was not about skill. The person had always been that skill from the beginning. Are you with me? It's not as though there is a difference in their salmon now. And sometimes, you even talk to people who have known them, they tell you, this, has, this is the way this person has always been. The way they teach now, there's no, you, that's the thing. It's just his time. It's just his season. If I've been honest with you, there are certain people who, you will do the same thing they are doing. They just seem to have 10 times results. Because sir, time and chance happens to them all. That's it. It's not, he, told, he says the race is not by the swift. Are we together? It's not by the richest people who are not the smartest. Are we together? Yes, say, you say no. It's because his daddy gave him money. Are there other people that their father also gave money and they squandered it? Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, people like to always, anything they cannot, they don't understand. They try to explain it down. You don't need to do that. Are you with me? One of, one of the things I heard from the man of God recently, and I said to hold it to my heart, I don't understand it. Anybody who has results, because not everybody has results. You who knows the good, why don't you have results? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a lie, Joe. What you mentioned here is because they do this. They... Ah! He has been around. No, I cannot imagine now. You don't, but doesn't know anything. Now, Puma, all these people, we don't know where they came from. All of a sudden, some of the angel is slapping. I mean, so that a man that has been laboring for years, and sometimes you look at their pictures, you laugh because it's stroke, it's flip back, it's not a stroke back. It's literally like what they buy, what's so saying. Are we together, guys? So use your time. Tell someone beside say, use your time of waiting. Maximize your time of waiting. And as we round up, look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. Acts 1 and verse 4. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. It says, I'm being assembled together with them, commanded them that now in verse 12 to 14, it says, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mouth called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were coming, and they went in, up into an upper room, where abode, you know, reads all the disciples' name. That's for Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Said this before. Acts 2, 1 to 4 would not have happened if Acts 1 and verse 14 did not happen. Are we together? I know, I know that you want to see Acts 6. You want to see Acts 8. Are we together? You want to see Acts 19 and verse 20. So mightily grew the word of God. And he prevailed. But sir, there's Acts 4, 29. Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant with thy servants that with all boldness we may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hands to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child Jesus. If you want to see results, sir, you will pray. If you want to see results, you will pray. And the extent, let me say this the extent of your prayer will show two things. Number one, it will show the extent of the results you want to see, and number two, it will show that you truly believe that those things that God has shown prayer doesn't just show that. Prayer doesn't just mean those things will not happen. Prayer shows you don't really believe what God showed you. Sometimes, just because of what we want to see, it's because we know if God has said it, it can happen. And so I just need to pray for it to come to pass. Are you with me? So sometimes your prayerlessness is a lack of faith. Ah, are you with me? Men and women of God. So how does this tie to KCM? Everything, every way. God has said this in Kerizo Camp meeting. This and this, this and that, this and this, sir. If you truly believe those words, this time of waiting is what we should be using to pray. You know, the way we will know that ah, no, call, no, is that this period we'll be looking for every opportunity to pray. Once we remember again, God said this, this, and this. Emoji, I need to pray. Are you with me? Nobody will tell you before you go, you enter fasting. Nobody, you know, I was talking to some of my guys, and they, you know, just maybe along the way, maybe sometime we just probably are supposed to go out. You know, I was in Ife shortly this last weekend. We we're supposed to go out or something, and then maybe we we're supposed to get some. Just say, Sam, I'm, I'm fasting. Ah, it didn't touch my mind. Say, ah, this person is looking for something. Uh, are you with me? It's not now, of course. We will still do, um, as a ministry, we'll still have our time of prayer for like a week or two weeks. Are we together? But when you find a person who, about a month before, before anybody is saying anything by themselves, they just decide, I'm going to fast. You know that person is looking for something. And so, sir, in the meeting, when it seems as though the man of God is just walking towards the person at the time, only in corporate is she senior. 
Are you with me? No, the man of God cannot seem to explain it. I was in a meeting just, I think, last weekend in Ife. And there was a guy. I said, I don't know why. I just feel like pointing towards you. There are some things the man of God cannot explain. But, sir, I can promise you, that person has gone to pray. Are you with me? When, just like the one with your blood, you say, sir, even if everyone should touch you in the crowd, if I touch my own, I will see you. Are you with me? Yes, Men and women of God. So, how do I really know that you want to see things happen in KCM? You pray. This is our time of waiting. It's not, we thank God, of course, we are doing publicity. We are posting banner. We are inviting people. We are doing, you know, uh, we'll post on IG. That is the content creator. <laughs> you know, all of those things. But, sir, if we truly believe that God wants to do something, ah. we will pray. Are you with me, people of God? Are you ready to maximize this period of waiting? Yes, to get up on your feet, let's pray. Get up on your feet, let's pray. Get up on your feet, let's pray. Listen to me. All we are praying for the next couple of minutes is this. Lord, all that you will have us do and receive in Caruso Camp Meeting 2023, we receive. All that you will have us receive in Caruso Camp Meeting. We lose nothing. In the name of Jesus, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lost. In the name of Jesus, I refuse to waste this period of waiting. I refuse to not maximize this period. In the name of Jesus, come on, pray, 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 pray. Now, see, let me say something. You will feel tired, though. Are you with me? I'm not going to lie to you. You will feel tired. Are you with me? But as I said, the, the fact that you truly believe in what God has said will make you keep going. Are you with me? You know, I, I, it's a confidence for me, sir. You mean if I stay just a little bit longer, the results will increase. Are you with me? Just So in other words, just extra 10 minutes in tongues. Can change it. Ah, I will stay. Are you with me? Are you, are you with me? Hey. Oh, ah, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. So I say this one as we are praying. Now, we have barely one hour, fifteen minutes left. Okay, you will feel tired. Are you with me? Let me tell you. If you truly believe in what God has said, say that. Say that. Decide not to go. Are you? Are you with me? I'm a tiger. And let me do my last. I will stay. I want to see. I told my guys. I say this this month. I want to use God to test prayer. Are you with me, that sir? Think of the kids. Prayer, testing this thing. I want to touch it. Are you with me, sir? I want to. If I pray just a little bit more, what will happen? Are you with me, guys? Pray, 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 pray. Thank you for listening. We're sure that it was an amazing time. For questions and inquiries. Reach out to us on carysoul.bb at gmail.com. We call you blessed.